Everybody can obviously benefit from improved nutrition, but it also opens up this door towards invoking so much change beyond the realm of body composition or just even feeling good. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Rai Hickey, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. What is happening? Ben, my friend, not a whole lot. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Dude, great to have you. You are like uh, all bundled up here, hat and uh, pullover. What do you yes. like, live in Canada or something? Bingo. I live in Vancouver. So typically the warmer part of, of Canada, but it is cold today. But having grown up in Minnesota, I am uh, certainly acquainted with cold weather. So Rye, Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I mean, obviously you're in the health and fitness space. And I, I was saying before we jumped on, you're kind of an enigma, but the reason you're on this show is because you're brilliant at what you do. And so I would love for our listeners to uh, know a little bit more about you. I, I'm 35. I spent about 10 years out of college in sales. And so that led me down a path of selling a variety of items from building products to communications devices, to um, my most recent sales gig was in the sports nutrition realm, which I've always been a reasonably fit guy. People within my circle came to me for nutrition and fitness advice, which I would gladly give my opinions on. And at the time, that would have been horrifically ill-informed opinions <laughs> based on various fads and such. And so... It was that last sales role within sports supplementation. So kind of a foot into the door of the fitness-minded industry. What was the sports supplements that you were slaying? Yeah, it was for a company called Nutribolt. So ultimately, we did things like creatine, pre-workout was our big one. And so while I was in that role, I started picking away at my precision nutrition level one certification on the side, which led to taking on some clients on the side, which led to deciding, hey, this is what I want to do. I get way more fulfillment out of helping people change their lives for the better, using nutrition as a fulcrum. And ultimately, that became a full-time thing, which I did for, for a couple of years. And then I guess it would be a couple of years ago now that I came into contact with, with TKN and ultimately started consulting for them for the past year and a half. I'm no longer with them, but that was an amazing journey of just leveling up my, my coaching acumen in a lot of ways. And so that's brought me to here, really. I did my, my level two nutrition with Precision Nutrition and then just have been learning from Kashi. And ultimately, that's kind of what has brought me to this point. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and certainly how we were connected, because I was actually getting coached from TKN, Trevor Kashi Nutrition. And I've had Trevor Kashi on the show a couple of years ago. And he's certainly been, certainly been a mentor in a way for me coming up through and learning nutrition and really understanding how to think about things the right way. And so I'm excited to talk 
about what you've learned from Dr. Cashy a little bit, but I, I want to save that um, for just a little bit because I know we, we both have definitely learned a lot from him and he's contributing a lot of really great stuff to the space and to other coaches. And, and I'm sure we'll continue to do that. But what specifically was it around nutrition that was so compelling for you to the degree that you know you want to make this your profession, you've made this your profession? Everybody can obviously benefit from improved nutrition, but it also opens up this door towards invoking so much change beyond the realm of body composition or just even feeling good. That just bleeding into everything else in your life. The nutritional science is important, yes, but ultimately without the knowledge of human behavior and just looking at ways to disrupt habituated patterns of of behaving you know that just it becomes this thing that is just amazing people come to you to improve their nutrition and then if they are able to persist for let's say a year or beyond you see the craziest change ever like nutrition just becomes this afterthought mm -hmm. they're just applying all of the things that that we use all the strategies and ways of moderating cognitive distortions and just putting the stick in the spokes proverbially of like those patterns of behaving they start to apply that to different realms of their lives and we realize okay well there's big opportunity here to develop skills that will allow you to manage your relationships better or your emotions better and make decisions based on logic and evidence and utility of those decisions as opposed to just like in the moment impulses and urges and so that just that becomes so much more than just simply eating better food or whatever right whatever that means so it's not just about going keto <laughs> everybody should go keto immediately <laughs> i mean you could have just come right out and said that like made it a lot easier on us uh, I appreciate and and certainly applaud you know the context from which you you framed that because I I obviously couldn't agree more and I think we know and one of the conversations I have a lot with experts in the field on this show is if you truly are going to make change in your life and and the entry point is hey I want to lose you know ten pounds or twenty pounds and we know okay like logistically, we have to start to infuse better nutrition behaviors and exercise behaviors. And that lends itself to sleep and, and thought processes and relationships and right, all of these types of things. It's such an incredible process that is so much more far reaching than macros and X's and O's and calories that it almost doesn't do justice to to those things. And it's almost a disservice to our industry. It's like we have to frame things that way just to get people in the door. Yes. So that we can help them facilitate the real change and help them shift right their mindset and thinking around this process as a whole. Because obviously like with media is framing it so much so as like, quick fix, magic bullet, like this is all you have to do and you don't really need to change. So seeing as you've, you've been in the industry now for several years, you started to study through precision nutrition, which is excellent, especially when we talk about habitual and, and behavior change. What was like the biggest shift in thinking for you 
kind of coming into the industry feeling like you knew what to do you had alluded to the fact that you kind of perhaps were haphazard with the the recommendations that you were giving to friends mm -hmm. and family members like what was the biggest shift in thinking for you as you really started to study and understand more and work with clients the biggest shift would it be this crazy paradox that you and I see time and time again and and I have a ton of compassion for because I was once there in that for whatever reason the layperson just gets hung up on the minutia and it makes sense again from that marketing standpoint it's it's a difficult industry to navigate in that sense because we're bombarded with information that only confuses right it it only helps sell certain products and supplements and protocols that was a big problem for me in the beginning i was like i don't want to bullshit in order to get somebody within my realm but once i past that threshold of thinking well i know i can help people now i have the the fundamental knowledge and skill set and ability to identify someone of, as someone who's like okay i think i can help this person get from a to b and beyond now i say to clients this might take a really long time hmm. but like if you have the right conversation in the beginning and you set those standards that's where as a new coach you kind of get into that oh i really want this client and and you're like right and you just sort of feel yourself pulling in this direction because they're they're sort of implying other things that they've heard in marketing well i want to get lose this weight by this i'm going to this right. place right on this date in your mind you're just like oh my goodness like well yeah maybe we can get you there you know you're like right oh, this, right right you don't have and the that skills ends up backfiring big time my own development of assertiveness which was something that TKN really helped me with identifying and improving, being able to say, that's a bad idea. Or, or like, as an example, someone who says, I want to, I want to lose this weight by this day. It's like, I'll tell you right now, I think that's a terrible idea. I've seen clients do this, like you're setting yourself up for white knuckling it to your objective weight, and then just like crashing and burning. And totally. I don't think you have the skills to do it. But I'm here to support you. You seem pretty <laughs> you you seem pretty certain of this decision. So here's how you could go about doing that. I, I'll be here to catch you, you know, when things get crazy. But like, what do you want to do? Ultimately, you and I both know we can't convince someone. I mean, there's so much right. nuance with the relationship there. There are some clients right. where you develop such a strong relationship, like, dude, don't do this. That's a terrible right. idea. And they'll be like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, this is why I pay you. Yeah. You're right. right. Well, what should I do then? Others, you're like, I, don't, I think that's a pretty bad idea. Um, here's how you would go about doing that. But let me just go on record as to say, I think we should take this approach. However, if you're totally sold on this, I care about you and I'm still here to support you. So here's how you can go ahead and do that in the safest way possible. Just say, Here's what I'm anticipating. Let me know if, if or when you start experiencing these things. And then yeah, yeah. that actually builds the trust even further because they start experiencing those things two, like, four, hey, six weeks. Talking about that, right. Exactly. And now you've solidified more so your role as, you know, this professional who knows what they're talking about. And then they say, 
wow that sucked you said that was gonna suck and that sucked and it didn't work so I'm frustrated and upset with myself and you're there to be you know compassionate and say man give yourself a break here like it's very normal for you to want those things we've been told that so now tell me what you would like to do and that's when they're like they start to sort of loosen up the leash in terms of okay well maybe maybe you could tell me again from a coaching perspective the way that the more that you can facilitate that relationship in a way where they're asking more for that sort of guidance like well what do you think would be appropriate here that's when it can be that okay cool let's regroup here's where i think you would benefit from and uh that's when you can have those long-term just astounding transformations you know it's definitely so necessary to allow the client to have autonomy through the process. And the biggest differentiator that I heard from you was really around being okay as a coach, challenging the client in the initial stages and really making sure that you're doing your diligence to setting expectations appropriately. And what I would argue is that's probably one of the largest limiting factors in our industry of coaches being okay, allowing the client to dictate what they think the process should look like and not standing up for and being the, the best client advocate because they actually understand and hopefully they understand the process, right? To the degree that they're like, hey, hey yes, we could do that. But if we go that route, here's what you can expect. My mm -hmm. suggestion is that this is the way that we look at it. This is the way that we typically help our clients get the best results possible because you said that this is something that you want to be able to maintain. And so in order for us to do that, this is the way that we want to think about this. It's totally up to you. Like you said, right? It's totally up to you. I'll support you. And I certainly won't say I told you so, but it's so important that we have this active communication throughout the process so that if and when things really do start to feel hard, it's not you feeling like you're on a deserted island. It's not you feeling like you quote unquote failed and the program isn't right for you, or it's not you feeling like we're demanding X, Y, and Z when that's not it at all. And for those of you listening, I mean, if you've ever engaged in a quality coaching process, it absolutely needs to be relegated from, you know, the baseline of like, what are you capable of achieving? What level of skills do you have? What's your commitment level? Like, what's your readiness for change right now? What are your existing behaviors and lifestyle and responsibilities? And in this particular case, you know, food preferences and how do we make this as realistic of a process yet as aggressive as you want it to be so that you can be successful, mm -hmm. right? So that we can just improve this relationship and, and, and create this, this strong bond throughout because I think we've, we've very clearly established that the last thing that this whole process of change is about is just about your calories and macros. It's sort of the, the overarching understanding that Yes, that's very, very relevant, you know, biochemically and, and from a physics standpoint, it's like, of course, we have to manage calories, but it's almost the least important when we talk about actually facilitating change. Yeah, bingo. Yeah. And it's funny because 
I'd love to hear your your insight on this. This is not a cemented uh, opinion that I have, more something that I'm exploring, given that I'm just always keen to level up and and learn more about what what actually facilitates the most consistent i cringe a bit at the word transformations but the most consistent change in humans i think that it is perhaps the case that the coaches or individuals who can help facilitate the the highest percentage of amazing transformations with humans not again not just body composition but like life related are those who really know or are able to somehow filter or identify the individuals that will just click with the particular coach that they have. And I get tripped up still at the question. People ask me like, who's your avatar, so to speak? Who's the client that you resonate or work best with? I have a tough time answering that because I can, I think back and I go through my list of like hundreds of clients, I can't put a finger on a specific demographic. To some degree, coaching is like dating in that like, there's just going to be these inherent, very human social things. And you and I both know that underlying the obvious things, overarching things like, hey, if someone wants to lose weight, they eat less than they expend someone wants to gain weight, they eat more than they expend, maintain, eat the same, etc. The thing that makes that work, so to speak, from a behavioral actual implementation standpoint is the connectivity or relationship mm-hmm. that exists between the coach and the client, such that like, to your point, when the wheels do fall off in that crazy aggressive program that the coach doesn't want to put them through, and they were at persistent and just said, I want to do this. They, like you said, will not feel like they're on that island. They're like, no, I know my coach, Coach Rye said that this was a bad idea. Here I am. The wheels are falling off. I'm on deprivation level calories. I feel like garbage. My moods are all over the place. Right. I want to quit. And yet I know that Rye loves me. I know that Rye cares about me. And even though he said this is a bad idea, I know he's not going to judge me. And he's, he's not going to say, I told you so. Because if there's any inkling of that in their minds, do you think they're going to reach out? They're going to say, no, I quit. I quit this program. This sucks. Like F you basically. Yeah. You know, and like, it's my fault. Yes. I'm, and I'm just going to relegate myself of the guilt and the responsibility that I feel for the fact that I couldn't commit to yet another type of program. And, And that's where there's definitely like this level of empathy that's necessary. And I think like attracts like you attract clients like you, how many female trainers do you know that like they had their wedding and now all of a sudden they train women for their weddings or like they had their first baby. And now all of a sudden they do postpartum training. Like, listen, there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with that Mm -hmm. at all. But like, I'm a 43 year old dad of three. That's a business owner. And like an ex-athlete and I have a mindset or, you know, certain mindset around things. And I tend to attract those types of guys, right? Right. That obviously I can resonate with me, resonate with my language, you know, perhaps want to look like me, like it's just the way that it works. And so when you put 22 year old Johnny, a macro coach with 45 year old Susie, mother of, of three kids, 
it's invariably usually not a very good match because mm-hmm. he really has no clue as to the daily nuances, responsibilities, and thought processes, and hormonal implications, and failed dieting efforts, and right all of the things that Susie's been through over the course of her life. Is like I don't get why it's so hard for just eat six meals a day. So when it comes to what you said about the puzzle pieces of facilitating long-term change. Like what we talk about with our coaches a lot is like, it's, it's just this imperfect process of humans coaching humans. And there's so many moving pieces that it's just not appropriate to say or to expect that every single person is going to get profound results. Sometimes people, even if there is the empathy and the connection and the coaching relationship there, shit happens. Sometimes yeah. people legitimately just are not ready. Yeah. to make the change that they say that they want. And sometimes, and often it comes down to like, right, I'm sure you've experienced this. You're kind of going through the motions of like, hey, this is what we had committed to over this, you know, this last week. And you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And they're like, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't do it. And you're like, okay, well, let's reframe it and maybe regress the habit a little bit. And Let's plug it in again. Yeah, you didn't do it again. And so, okay, well, maybe we'll change it. Like, how about we focus on this, you know, instead? Does that feel like something that you can reasonably commit to? Yeah, totally. I can I can definitely do that this week. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, let's start to move the needle and start to build these behaviors. Yeah, you didn't do it again. And then it begs the question of like, well, this is what you said that you want. And this is why that you said that you want it. Now, I guess I'm curious, is this really what you want? What is it that you actually want? Because- we can just have this conversation all day, but frankly, we're kind of wasting both of our time. Yeah. You know? C- coming from a person who was giving advice to then actually learning a more structured approach and, and just building the enough awareness and knowledge such that you can actually give appropriate advice. You and I both know success breeds success. So it's not judgment. It's not over caring it's not enabling like oh no that is pretty tough it's okay it's like it's just like okay cool and so and then even being cool with silence like that to me has been the thing that has facilitated the most dramatic changes where i've worked with someone who's been like quite an emotional basket case and making decisions in their life day to day pretty much a hundred percent based off of impulsive emotions and then getting them to a point where they're actually, you know, making rational decisions day to day. That's the most profound thing for, for me to see. And it really came with the capacity to be super neutral because then all of the onus gets pushed onto them, but it's not in this like David Goggins, like, you know, way where you're like drill sergeant, you're, you give a shit about them and they know that but you're also not like enabling them in the sense that you're letting them get away with not changing. You're, you're basically pushing it all back to, to them and they ultimately go, yeah, this is the only way that I'll get there. I appreciate that approach to it very much. And what it makes me think about is also just fundamentally, and this is part of setting the realistic expectations at the beginning, but it's just fundamentally being okay with like, this is going to take a really long time, or this could take a a long time. And I guess it's all relative what a long time is, but especially when we lock ourselves into six month or 12 month or 30 day programs, is we have these expectations of like, well, if I'm not, you know, making progress, then what are we going to do? And when I think we've very clearly established that the biggest 
progress that can be made oftentimes is between the ears of how we're thinking about things and how we're taking consistent action on things. And so what I, my, my mind came to when you were talking through that was just kind of being okay with this is, can take as long as it needs to take. There's no mm-hmm. rush here and you don't have to feel like you're letting me down or you're even letting yourself down if we just need to kind of take it extremely slow. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't get here overnight and we're certainly not going to reverse things in 30 days or six months or even a year. Mm-hmm. This is going to take time of, of certainly, you know, understanding that you were literally changing and peeling off the layers of, of who you were before. And that's significant. That's significant. Yeah. What is some of the most kind of profound or tangible things that you took away from your time with TKN and, and Dr. Cashy specifically? Oh man, there's so much from a useful, tangible standpoint. I would say the gut check was something that really resonated. I mean, he's he's such a master of taking validated information or s- strategies within a whole plethora of fields and then basically modifying them to to make them his own, so to speak. But yeah, the gut check was basically just like a sort of three-tier system that I've shared with quite a few people filtering certain thoughts by way of validating them for logic, evidence, and utility. So asking ourselves the question, like, does this thought that I'm thinking, does it make any Mm. sense? Mm. Does it pass that? Because if it doesn't, great. By the very nature of being human, you're going to have very unhelpful thoughts, very destructive or just unconstructive thoughts will occur that that we often take and go oh my god i can't believe i thought that or i'm such a shitty person like do i have evidence to support this so maybe it does pass the logic level one like like how do i know for sure that this makes sense that this is true or untrue we're so good as humans at taking sensory input and spinning it into a narrative that fits our pre-existing bias. And that can, that can be a really unhelpful thing for a lot of people, unless you're like of the upper echelon of lucky humans who've just been blessed with certain physiological predispositions and don't really battle with a lot of this stuff. Like most of us will be in that category where you tend to gravitate towards certain things that ultimately don't help you. So How can we stick to the facts as opposed to labeling things? What does good or bad even mean? If you say, hey, Ry, you went to that restaurant. How was it? So good, man. It was so unbelievably good. I could give you like a five-minute spiel on how good it was that virtually tells you nothing. Because how you define good is very different from how I define good. So I could I could think of like a way more concise way of sticking to the facts and even just describing everyday circumstances and how I interact and communicate with people in a way that actually helps instead of using these weird like semantic things that that I know ultimately you have differing definitions for and and probably doesn't help you. Hence why you can have that where someone says, 
yeah, I was recommended this restaurant. It wasn't really that good or this movie or whatever. And so to cap that off, the, the utility piece is just like, if it passed the logic, if it passed the evidence, if I do have actual evidence that this thought is of a factual nature, does it help me? The utility piece is, does it help me? And again, if it fails to pass any of those three filters, then I can do my best to discard that thought and redirect my brain in a different direction. Because understanding that we cannot force our brains to forget things, that's when we get into the whole ironic process theory of like, don't think about the pink elephant, don't think about the pink elephant, you're thinking about the pink elephant. Well, what I can do is lean into the fact that I have the autonomy and the agency to refocus my attention in a different direction. And so distraction gets a pretty bad rap. It's got a bit of a negative connotation. But in some cases, if you're like really emotionally aroused and you, we know that we don't make very good decisions when we're in that state. And so if I can distract myself in a, at least a neutral way, a way that is not destructive, basically like consuming of food or booze or mm -hmm. drugs or alcohol or whatever, self harm or whatever it may be. If I can just distract myself in a neutral way until that emotional state inevitably goes away, because it always does, then I take the position that distraction can be actually a pretty positive thing, like going for a walk or putting on some right. calming music or calling a friend even to vent or whatever it may be. Like it's, um, there's so many different avenues you have there. So yeah, the gut check was was such a massive takeaway from TKN that that I apply and have clients apply a lot. It's like the gap, right? Of I'm experiencing yeah. something right now. I know the story that I'm telling myself. Like one is acknowledging that this is in fact a story that I'm telling myself. Then you can go through the checklist. Yeah, exactly. By way of reinforcing, you know, on like coaching and client calls, okay, we're reviewing the week. You submitted your data on this day, there was a massive binge or they ate their emotions or whatever. All good. Let's talk about it. Cool. What happened? Tell me about that day. Okay. This happened. This happened. This happened. There's a whole lot that can occur in that. Just, Hey, I start to put together the noticing of the pattern that whenever I seem to be around my mother-in-law, I tend to overeat we could start to put together those behavioral patterns. The gut check serves as this and, and a whole variety of other strategies and tactics. They serve as this, like if we can have it su such that the retention level is, is high enough with the client where they can say the next time I feel this or am in this circumstance. And again, there's a whole plethora of other things in terms of like leaning into environmental stimulus or like wearing a little rubber band around your wrist the next time that you're going to your in-laws place or something such that when you look at your wrist, you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm reminded by what I'm planning to do, like the gut check or whatever. It basically just helps that person to use your point. Like, yes, check in. I'm in this emotionally aroused state. Is this story that I'm telling myself currently, does it make sense? Is there actual evidence to support it? And does it help me? Does the narrative 
help me. And that kind of comes full circle with if I could really encapsulate the biggest ultimate takeaway from having worked under under Kashi and just learning from him. It's an emphasis on language. Like the words that we choose, they matter because we often cease to realize the fact that the words we use tend to perpetuate the state that we're in. So if I have an anger problem and I say, fuck, that might just trigger more anger. It Mm -hmm. like it primes my brain for basically perpetuation of that state. And the same thing occurs with the person who just gets super emotional and then basically justifies that they deserve to eat a whole family size bag of Miss Vicky's or something, right? So words matter, man. I want to wrap it up and I should probably change the name of my podcast to Smart Nutrition Made Incredibly Complex by virtue of us realizing that really has nothing to do with (laughs) nutrition at all. (laughs) Uh, but listen, man, it's, it's super valid. And I love having these conversations and I hope this resonates with our listeners too. So much of this is, it's just not about the nutrition. It's about so much, much deeper aspects of psychology and behavior change and accountability and consistency. And so any opportunity that you have to infuse all of those things and and have an amazing supportive coach like you, or of course, any of our coaching team to be able to provide empathy, to be able to provide non-judgmental support, it really just primes you to infuse the changes that you're ready and willing to make. And and Mm -hmm. almost like for us as coaches to just be the co-pilot, to just be kind of the navigator to some degree mm-hmm. that's riding right alongside of you, right? We're not pushing you. We're not pulling you. We're just simply there assisting. That's definitely the way that we found. And sounds like you as well have found that people get the best results possible. So Rye, where can people find out more about you? Let's just give my Instagram. I'm Rye underscore Hick. So R-Y underscore H-I-C-K. Dude, thank you very much for taking the time to come on to share your knowledge and wisdom. Uh, It really is a pleasure. I love catching up with smart guys like you. And um, yeah, we'll look forward to definitely doing this again. Appreciate you, Ben. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to see you. Take care, bro. Okay, brother. Bye. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening, and if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple. 